Before we dive into this episode of Christmas and Quarantine, we just want to give you the heads up that we will be talking openly about Santa and Elf on the Shelf from a parent's perspective, as well as there being some explicit language. So please be mindful of little ears. Enjoy! <laughs> One of these days we'll have an intro to our podcast. Is that going to be the intro to our podcast? I don't want it to be, but it sounds like it's going to be. <laughs> oh no. Welcome back to We Don't Have Time For, th- for You. <laughs> <laughs> we don't have time for you. We don't have time for this. I'm your host, Gemma Peanut. And I'm Kate. Somebody now. because we're Guys, we've made it to week two of the podcast or the second episode, I should say. This is pretty epic. Yeah, this is huge. Who did the we'd come back for more since it's been two weeks since we recorded the last podcast even though we've dr- we're dropping two episodes back to back for our dear listeners we're ready for an update revs on your botox oh my bowie your bowie my bow bow <laughs> <laughs> i think it's settled in now do you still feel like you have a hundred post-it notes stuck on your head no i feel a little less capable of expressing my feelings <laughs> Dear listener, I know you can't see her, but I have to do this for my own satisfaction. Okay, you're an actor. You're okay. in a drama. Yeah. You've just found out your husband's cheated on I you. I was like, Nicole Kidman oh my God, in you... The Undoing. She does so much eyeball acting and now I know why. Because her face is frozen. Correct. You know, the other <laughs> thing that Nicole Kidman does is whispers all her dialogue. And do you know why? It's because she's not confident with her accents. Oh, well, she shouldn't be. They're wildly terrible. I know. They're so bad. And I'm a huge Big Little Lies fan. And good on her for making such a career with zero skill in the accent department. What about Sam Worthington? I've never really noticed. Oh, my gosh. Everyone talked about that when Avatar first came out. This is weird because every Aussie actor I know can do great accents. I know. They're just not getting hired in those big roles when they should be. Just not the famous ones. Anyway, the Botox is going great. Awesome. I feel like it's settled in. It looks really good. And by the way, your frown line. Yep. Gone. No, it's still there a wee bit. I can't see it. No. I'm still not a convert. Okay. Can I just say, because now I can see your frown line, but I would equate that to when you've accidentally dug your nail into your skin for like a nanosecond and it's (laughs) left a little bit of a faint mark. Looks like I've accidentally dug my nail into my skin. A little bit. Optimal. Was that what you were going for? Totally what I was going for. I gotta say, I had a cry this week and I felt so stupid. Why? Because I couldn't cry into my full face. It's like I felt like I was crying like Kim Kardashian in that meme. (laughs) (laughs) I was crying, but I couldn't fully cry. So I was like, (sighs) it was like a nose cry and then it it went elsewhere. Dare we unpack what you were crying about? Oh, you know, just... Christmas, school, deadline, Mm. lots of overwhelm. Just basic mum overwhelm. On the topic of Christmas, do you know what I don't have time for? What don't you have time for, Gem? I don't have time for freaking Elf on the Shelf. Now, I know there's a division here in the public when it comes to Elf on the Shelf. There are a category of mums who push the... Why wouldn't you want to buy into the magic of Christmas for your kids when they only really believe in it? Like a full-blown believer, not believers. (laughs) Hello, Justin Bieber. (laughs) Full-blown believers for less than a decade. Does it kill you as a mum to make it that extra bit special? A lot of the mumfluencers on the gram who are hardcore elf on the shelf people 
push the fact that they are so overwhelmed by the amount of joy that is produced out of their children just by shifting an elf and making their elf extra mischievous that they say it's so worth the effort and they say it's only for a month only for a month you mean every single night I have to think about where to put this elf and not only that, I'm stuck in comparisonitis land because I'm looking at what people are doing with like hanging undies on a Christmas tree and creating dioramas. And I think, I don't have time for this. Undies to dioramas was a really dangerous jump. I thought you were going to say creating diarrhea. Continue. I thought you were going to say diaphragm. <laughs> the word dire is dire, guys. <laughs> Clearly a word we need to stay away from. I want to know what you think, Revzy, because you have got a six-year-old and a three-year-old. Now, they are more in peak elf on the shelf land, whereas I'm dealing with a two and a half-year-old where I feel like I can get away with it for another year. Yeah, fuck that elf. Fuck it in the face. (laughs) (laughs) Hate that elf. So I take it you love it. (laughs) So I've never done elf on the shelf. And let me start by saying I love Christmas. Love it. Love it hardcore. We've had Christmas in the UK for the last couple and it's so magical. I'm really here for Christmas. I'm not a Grinch. But Elf on the Shelf kills me. Why? Because what is it? Like what is it? First of all, what are the rules? Like no one tells you the rules. I can tell you the rules. What are the rules? Your elf comes to the house. He's Why? Sent by Why does he come? Because he's spying on the children on behalf of Santa. And cool, he but we already have Santa who sees you when you're sleeping and knows when you're awake. Why do we now need an extra guy to come into your house to perform tricks for the month of December? For joy and merriment. <laughs> don't know okay okay so let's let's go with it let's lean in let's lean in so he comes and he comes for december and every night he goes back to santa and that's why he's moved no he only goes back to santa if he's witnessed naughty behavior my understanding is that the elf is there from the first of december although i have heard a few mums say no my elf shows up the week before christmas oh does it no i'm no don't judge that because i am on board with that like i'm kind of happy to go with that narrative more because that's way less work for me okay but let's pretend there's no work involved let's like try and put ourselves in pro elf on the shelf team so the elf comes on the first of december right who sends for the elf? Why are the, the Roonies special enough to get an elf? Every household gets an elf. That's the rule. Well, this is the first problem. Anyway, we'll come back. Yes. So every household gets an elf. Yep. It turns up on the 1st of December. Yeah. It's inanimate. Correct. Except at night. Right. When it becomes animated. Because? Because... You see where I'm going with this? Yeah, okay, I see where you're going. (laughs) It's upsetting. Elf on the Shelf has infected my Instagram feed and I am not okay with it because do you know what it does? It plays on my mum guilt. And I have a two and a half year old. I shouldn't care, but I care. And she doesn't care. She knows nothing. She doesn't have an advent calendar, for God's sake. I'm holding off on that as long as I can too. Okay. So I have never had an elf on the shelf ever until this year. Okay, this begs the question and I'm sorry to interrupt. We are in full debate mode. (laughs) When did this begin? Because none of us grew up with Elf on the Shelf. So are we talking three years ago? When did it take off? When did it get traction? Was it introduced seven years ago? Like I it was need definitely to know. before Isla because I remember my cousin had one for her little girl before Isla was even the thing. Okay, so that's around eight, six nine or seven years, years ago. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. So oh no, Frankie's eight. Yeah. So so that was I'm... around. <laughs> so that was around eight years ago. So I have never had an elf on the shelf. However, we've done all other fun things like 
put the tree up on the 1st of December. We've had a fabric advent calendar or vomit, but yeah, it's better than the... Hold up. What's a fabric advent calendar? Like it's like little pockets, but you have it in the family every year and you fill the little pockets with a chocolate or whatever instead of buying like a supermarket. A Coles one. A Coles one. That's what I grew up on, the Coles one with the cheapest chocolate. They're the best. Don't okay. knock them. Okay, great. You've clearly got an attachment to the cheap advent calendars. I and do. that's great for you. But for me, I've never we, ne- we were never allowed an advent calendar because my mum thought chocolate every day was bad. This year... I have a school-aged child and on the 1st of December, everyone's talking about how their elves have arrived and she's wondering where her elf is. So you were never planning to do Elf on the Shelf, but you're caving under the pressure of school. So tell me what you would do. My daughter comes home almost in tears. Everyone else has an elf in their house and we don't have an elf. Why didn't we get an elf? And I had to like scramble because I don't want to ruin the magic of Christmas. And I'm like okay, how do we get an elf? She's like, you just write to Santa and the elf shows up. So that's the narrative she picked up on. So I'm like, all right, well, you can go for it. So I'm like trying to buy time with getting her to write a letter thinking she can do it in the morning. No, she does it straight away. But were you even able to attain an elf? Because those things sell out. They are hard to come by. This is the freaking 2nd of December. And I'm walking around Coles at eight o'clock on the Corso trying to find the last remaining elf spoiler alert there's no elves left so i'm like okay cool so i buy a christmas card and some candy canes and i write a letter from santa saying dear isla thank you for your application to receive an elf (laughs) your your request has been received and then i sort of park it and then honestly the next morning they woke up and they were being real dicks so i was like no elves coming today smart move mama so i had about three days of that and then I thought, well, the elf really needs to turn up now because we heard about nothing else. Anyway, my husband came home with an elf, but it wasn't the OG elf. Oh, no. No, it's like a plush version from Woolies. I don't know. Anyway, rip off elf on the shelf. Oh, no, you've got to buy the branded elf on the shelf. It's like $80. No, I know. It's completely absurd. It's a Hallmark toy. This whole thing's making me real mad. <laughs> I can tell. I feel like your frown line's returning. It's returning. Pump me full of Bowie. The elf on the shelf has me ruined. So then the elf turns up and it's very exciting. And then... Wait, wait, wait. So how did the elf show up? Was it just one morning when the kids woke up? My husband came home with it one night and I was like, cool. So we put it up high because I felt like that's what you're supposed to do. I didn't research this properly and it's not flooding my feed, thank God. So I was just like, okay, cool, put it up high and the kids will be excited that it's turned up. If we put it at toddler high, it would instantly be, the magic would be broken because my three-year-old would grab it and like throw it against a window or something. So we put it up high and then the morning they wake up, they're very excited. My daughter instantly looks quizzical. What, does she have a problem with her $6 Coles plush elf? And she's like, hmm, um... And she doesn't like to disappoint anyone because she's a firstborn and she's a real people pleaser. She's like, mum, mm, um, I just need to write a letter to Santa and maybe we can put this letter up on our Instagram or something. And the letter says, dear Santa, is the elf supposed to look fake or is it supposed to look real? Oh, Isla, she's just too smart. And I'm like, she? oh, great. So we've got the home brand elf and she's onto us. And this is just a big gateway to finding out that Santa's not real. How did you navigate that? Well, I just move it around the room. <laughs> I'm just hoping that like future me can deal with it well. Does your elf have a name? 
Yes, this was like weirdly the most important thing to Isla is that she wanted to name it. I think every household does. Right. Well, we didn't have a book or anything because as I said, we didn't get the branded elf on the shelf. So we just had to make up the rules as we went and Graham touched it straight away. Graham, parents can't touch the elf. That's what the kids told him. No, you can't touch the elf. And then we're like, oh, quick, no. And then so he goes, no, no, you can touch it until it's named. Scramble. Is, I'm sorry, but that is the save of the century. Yeah, it's quick. Yeah. So they were like, cool, put it back <laughs> gingerly and then let's give it a name. And they called it Gingerbread. Oh, that's cute. Yes, I, I, abundance of joy. No, I admire the creativity behind that. I think it's genius because that's better than what I would have called it when I was six years old, which would have been Elfie. <laughs> Just like I had Dolphiny. And turtley. <laughs> yes, I had Goldie the goldfish. Cute. Yeah, so they called it gingerbread and there it is. So now I just moved around the room and I got an angry text from my sister last night saying I wasn't doing it right. She's like, she's on to you. You need to up the ante with the magical stakes in your household. Oh, yeah, because your sister is so seasoned with her 18-month-old. <laughs> sure. <laughs> I know, but she's very invested in them having a magical Christmas. And I'm like, can you come around and make it magical? Mama don't have bandwidth. Well, do you know what I'm really proud of that I've managed to make magical? I have bought my first family Christmas tree. There was a real debate in our household about whether we go real tree or fake tree. And I weighed it up. Like this was a serious conversation because if you're going to buy a fake tree, you have to really consider the long-term investment because I feel like you're not going to be buying fake trees very frequently in your life. Wait, wait, wait. I need to interrupt. The sentence, if you're going to buy a fake tree, you need to consider the long-term investment is tickling me. How would you like me to unpack that? I have a fake tree. It was $65. I bought it four years ago and it's sad, but it's there. But I, this is very you. to wow, re- That is good paper use. $60 over four years. That's whatever the math turns out to be. It is a sad, insipid tree, but we'll get to that. But um, it's very you to research the long-term investment of your special family tree. So okay. please talk more about that. Let's go back to the weighing up the fake versus the real. The reason why I decided to go with the fake is because, okay, first of all, I need to preface this by saying I love a real tree because of the aroma. There is nothing like the smell of pine needles in your home. It's the best. But what I cannot deal with, and you know how much of a persnickety neat freak I am, is the dropping of pine needles. Can't deal. Don't have time for that. So you love the pine needles, but you hate the pine needles. I like the pine needle aroma. There's a difference. But you hate the actual pine needles. Yeah. And on top of that, there's the whole labor of removing a tree. And the other thing I don't like about real trees is that by the time it gets to Christmas day, it is wilted and sad. Oh yeah. It's a sad motherfucker. We had that last year in the UK. I got really keen and was like, let's get a tree on the 28th of November, Christmas day. It's like falling over. All the baubles are falling off. Yeah, because the, because the, um, because the branches have gone limp. So nothing stays put. I feel like you can put it in water or there are hacks for this. Oh, but who can be bothered? Yeah. Because, you know, we have so much time in December to think about keeping our bloody pine tree alive. So I went with the fake. What are the options? I wanted to be a cheater because I can be quite lazy when it comes to the setup of things and get a pre-lit Christmas tree. My mind was blown. I was like, what? A pre- I don't have to like get in a fight with Christmas tree lights and try and untangle them for like 10 million hours to get them on a tree. So I was like, done. So I found this fancy website. 
I won't say what company it is because I am not in the business of shitting on businesses or am I? (laughs) But it was a very fancy Christmas tree store and they had these beautiful pre-lit trees. Like the the range is amazing. Like they talk about the specimen of the tree and what country it comes from. Like it can be, (laughs) no, seriously, it could be like a Norwegian Christmas tree versus a Canadian Christmas tree. (laughs) Guys, I did a deep dive on Christmas trees and aren't you glad you're listening to our podcast? Welcome to Christmas Tree Reviews with Gemma Fina. (laughs) So I was literally add to cart, ready to buy. Which a, which country did you go for out of interest? I went for the actual, the Danish tree. <laughs> it was really pretty. And also I have a Danish friend. So I was like, she'll appreciate this. I went to click purchase and then out of the corner of my eye, I saw reviews and I thought, oh, I'll just quickly have a look at the reviews. <laughs> Opened up the reviews. Loves tab. a review. Loves Fun a re- fact about Jim, loves a review. I'm very well researched. You I are. do my due diligence. Opened up the review tab and right there, right at the top, I feel so bad for this company, but it said, no offense, but. (laughs) (laughs) Like the idea that someone would take the time to write a bad review and troll this company and open with no offense. Hang on. I want to commend that reviewer because that reviewer was paramount in my final decision making. Okay, all right. What did they say? They said, no offense. <laughs> For the price tag of your pre-lit Christmas trees, don't you think it should offer more options than just on and off? <laughs> it should cook you dinner, vacuum your house, <laughs> and sing you a song. Okay. <laughs> This podcast is called I Don't Have Time For This, yet you found how many hours to research Norwegian versus Canadian versus Danish pre-lit Christmas trees and whether they do more than on and off. Continue. Okay. (laughs) Judge Judy over here. Let me talk in some hard facts. The Christmas tree I was considering was a $900. You want to talk about it? Thank you. I was... Really going for the longevity investment. And I can imagine your romantic little brain was like, not little, big, juicy brain. Thank you. Correction. <laughs> was like, I'm going to have this tree in my family forever. It's going to be in all our family Christmas. You're looking at me like I've really caught you out. <laughs> it's going to be in all our family Christmas photos for the, my children's life. It's going to be all about the memories. And you wanted it to be perfect. Correct. I'm sorry, but if a Christmas tree isn't twinkling, there's no magic. There is no magic. For me, Christmas takes me back to London when you walk down the street and there's twinkling. It's like a disco fest of fairies. Like it feels magical and that's what I live for and that's what I want my children to grow up living for. Twinkly Christmas lights. Yes. On and off doesn't cut it. So I moved on, went to Maya, bought a Christmas tree from Maya, bought 500 metres worth of twinkling Christmas tree lights, wrestled it like a python and you know what i have the best friggin' tree in my house and it I, is beautiful thank you and i posted it to instagram and i got a lot of compliments so i feel <laughs> like it was worth the effort you know what i do have time for what? your tree thank you it's Rezzy. actually so beautiful we're looking at it right now guys. it's actually really beautiful and making me feel very christmasy wait hang on this segment started with you know what i don't have time for christmas yeah it sounds like you've got lots of time for christmas Okay, I confess. I do have a lot of time for Christmas. I've been putting in a lot of time, energy and effort. I've been working late 
to make up for the Christmas element. Okay, so hang on. Where, where did you get to on Elf on the Shelf? Nowhere. Basically, I had all the enthusiasm of a six-year-old and then I just thought I, I need to buy myself another year. Or two or three. Wait until she's hey, at school. Really? You reckon yes. I can wait that long? Wait until the other kids infect your home life with their tales of the elf on the shelf. You've got ages. Okay, but in 30 years when I have grown up children, am I going to regret? Because I'm so mindful of the fact that kids are only kids for such a short period of time. Are they? It feels fucking long this yeah, week. Yeah, well, just to be cliched, they say the days are long but the years are short and I'm trying to jump ahead of myself and yep. am I going to reflect back and go, oh my God, I really miss when they bought into it because Rafa next Christmas will be three and a half. Okay, so I have a three and a half year old myself right yes. now. Three and a half is peak Christmas asshole. Why? Three and a half is when they are hardcore consumerist. I remember when Isla was three and the Christmas when she was three years old, it was like, next, next, just like presents coming at her, just so much stuff. And it was gross. She was really toy obsessed. And she, I I don't take any credit for this. She kind of moved through that phase and then was kind of fine. But I'm reminded of that phase because Teddy, my three-year-old, is hard in that phase now. He asks me every day to go to the toy shop. I don't know how this began. And also, you have the most epic toy shop around the corner from your house. Oh, we've got toy shops every direction. I can't even take him to Coles because he'll find that half toy aisle that exists there. He is obsessed with toys. So... How are you managing that? Just saying no a lot. Kind of being a mean mum. So you don't bend? No. No, I don't. I don't give in. I like November, December because you can spend the whole time going, well, put it on your Christmas list instead of doing the thing I do for the rest of the year, which is, well, you better save up your money. I now get to switch gears and be like, well, put it on your Christmas list and we'll see if someone wants to get it for you. Or maybe you can ask Santa for that one or something. But he is so obsessed with stuff and what's his and toys. And I, I, it's, I don't think it's him. I think it's just being three. So what I'm thinking is next year, Rafa, she'll be three and a half. She'll be in that phase if that follows suit and she'll be toy mad and she'll be all about it and the elf on the shelf does not help and you know what else doesn't help is that christmas has now bled well and truly into november i don't remember that in my childhood that on the first of november there were christmas decorations in every storefront i feel like this year everyone's like we need christmas because it's 2020 and Look, like we've never needed joy more <laughs> totally and i am part of that choir of being like we need christmas because i need to feel festive i need to feel good i think that's why i've gone the extra mile this year not on the elf and the shelf but things like the tree and the present wrapping and stuff like that because i'm desperate for festivities and just for people to feel good and to see out this year, like yes. put it behind us and like put a pin in that one. So now I want to ask you, Revzy, what don't you have time for? Okay, this week I don't have time for Corona guilt. Corona guilt? Okay, maybe like Corona normal guilt? What are we calling it? Yeah, COVID normal. COVID normal. So what we're living in. Yeah. So we are so fortunate here in Sydney and in Australia really, but Sydney, where we live, to kind of be living life as normal. And I live right near the beach. It's warm. Things are kind of nice. And I'm just really mindful. I have family and friends in the UK 
And I just feel awful posting things or talking about what we're going to do for Christmas and what's going on in our life at the moment because I feel like I'm rubbing in their faces the fact that we're living this normal life while they're in stage four lockdown in the UK. Something I feel like I need to jump in and say here is that this Christmas, you were meant to be spending Christmas in Edinburgh in Scotland, which is where Revs was living. But because of COVID and everything that happened, Revsy actually came back to see family and you know what we need to talk about? Your two weeks of quarantine with two children on your own. I still can't believe that you did that. I actually can't believe I did it either. And I feel like I've blocked it. Like trauma? Like Like, how people block trauma? I feel like I have blocked it out because people go, how was it? And I actually find it hard to even describe how it was. You did 14 days. Okay. I'm going to pass this story over to you and I'm just going to prompt you with the question. So Tell us all about the moment you landed in Sydney with your two children on your own. So this was in June. So I had been, we had been living in the UK in Edinburgh, beautiful Edinburgh, loving our life there. Um, And after four months of the hardcore lockdown, and I don't think everyone really knows how it was in Scotland. I think people think of the UK, they think of what was happening in London, which was a little bit more relaxed. But in Scotland, we were only allowed to leave the house for 30 minutes a day. We weren't allowed to go more than 5Ks from where we live. We weren't allowed to see anyone outside our household. Supermarket shopping was in a single file direction, full Handmaid's Tale vibes. And it was fine and we were rolling with it. But I'm a freelancer and I lost all my work overnight. And my husband went down to 65% of his salary and suddenly it started to get really scary. We didn't know when it was going to end. It got really bleak. In June, I thought okay, I think I'm going to go back to Sydney just until schools reopen. So I put it to my husband. I was like, this is really impossible living with two kids in a flat, us both trying to generate work, not just work, but generate work because we're freelancers um, and homeschool and keep our toddler occupied. How about I take the kids to Sydney until schools reopen? So we kind of did this weird wartime flea where we had to catch a train and then make a plane, another plane. And it was crazy getting home. So we land in Sydney and I thought I'll suck up the two week quarantine and then I'll stay in Sydney for at least six weeks. So it'll be worth it. Quick question. Were you now at the stage where you had to pay for it yourself or was the government still covering no, it? No, the government was still covering Thank it. Thank God. It yeah. is so expensive now. I think it's like $4,000 yeah. now. And yeah. I know it's purposeful to disincentivize people from coming, but holy shit. Yeah, it's crazy. And you, this is not something you would want to pay for in any way. You, you mean there's no pool with like margaritas? <laughs> well, there was a pool in our hotel, but you're not allowed to leave the room. You can't cross the threshold of the front door. Are there guards? Okay, so we were one adult and two children. So we got one room serviced apartment. So we had a kitchenette. Hallelujah. That's amazing. But no outdoor space. We were on the 14th floor. So we had what we called cracky, which was a window that we opened for a crack of air Um, and no bath. No bath. Oh, God, that would be baths are such time passes as well. Well, I exactly. I could have put the kids in the bath for an hour and given them toys and made it a bit of an activity. Absolutely. No bath, no outdoor space. We did get a kitchen, which a lot of people don't get. But also they only gave us one bed. What? 
One bed because there's only one adult. Was it a king at least? It was a king, but I have two kids yeah. and me yeah. alone for 14 days. I don't have time the for that. L- I do not have time to sleep with two kids under six for 14 days when I can't escape them any other part of the day. I need at least the separation of a mattress for six hours or whatever. So what did you do? So after a lot of fuss, I got a roll away for Isla, which went into the kitchen. She slept in the kitchen? Well... The kitchen slash living room slash entrance slash yep. <laughs> everything. So we had a roll away next to the couch with the TV. And then we had a king bed in a bedroom. And I'm saying bedroom in inverted commas because it was just, you know, like it's just off. Yeah, It's not like a full room or anything. No. And that's where we lived for 14 days. Talk me through and like in one of the average days of your 14 days in quarantine, starting from when you wake up. Like what time were the kids waking up? Okay. Did, did time become warped while you were there? Yes and no. It evolved. So by far the worst day was the first day because we had jet lag. Oh, I forgot about that ingredient. Yeah. So we had jet lag, but we couldn't do all the things people recommend, like go out and get sunshine, try not to nap or like then get an early night or whatever. We were just in a room. So we literally couldn't shake the jet lag for the first three days. So the kids was, yes, they slept in on the first day. So we woke around 10 a.m. But then they were up in the middle of the night. I guess you could say, what does it matter? Except that I was just craving some kind of structure to get through this time soup. And so the first day was the hardest. They woke at like 1 a.m. and wanted to like eat a full meal and watch a movie on the first night. Um, And then that sort of dissipated. And we finally got into a rhythm, I'd say, about day four. And then that felt like a bit of an achievement. Like we'd come over that hump. In a nutshell, what what did that day look like now that you had created some sort of structure? So I went out gung-ho from the start and I tried to sort of do like a homeschool structure. I wasn't trying to teach them anything, but I was like, okay, this morning we're going to do Play-Doh. And my family and friends, you had dropped me off some activities to the hotel. So I had Play-Doh, I had stickers, I had drawing, arts and craftsy kind of things and a board game. I had books. I think I sent you Guess Who that day. That was a saviour. Guess Who was great. Oh, good. But day four, Teddy, who was three, discovered a daycare out the window (gasps) about 10 stories down. So we were in the city, in the CBD, and we were on the 14th floor and we could see into like a corporate daycare that was on the roof of a building. Oh my God, that's so cruel. And all he could see was little kids his age playing with like ride-on cars and bikes on this beautiful kind of astroturfed bike track that went around this rooftop. And he just stood there for hours with his hands on the glass just going, I want to go and play. Oh, that breaks my heart. And I could not explain, I couldn't, make sense for him on why we were staying inside and why we were in a new place and why the sun was so different because you know in the UK the sun takes two hours to set and in Australia it's like 20 minutes you know those little so many changes and the TV had different accents and also by this stage Teddy wasn't it wasn't like Teddy was three and a half he was newly three yeah he was kind of a toddler and he did you can talk to him but he can't make sense of big ideas like a global pandemic and we fled a country <laughs> and this is where mum was born but dad's still in another country and you're half and half and so yeah I tried to make structure anyway that very quickly the wheels fell off I gave up around day six I was like you know what everyone at any time can do whatever they need to do to get through the day so if that means twisties for breakfast and we watch tv all day fine fine you want to jump on the bed 
Fine. You want to swing from the curtain? Fine. You want to break the safe? Go for it. You want to draw on the shower screen? Be my guest. Like, I just said yes to everything. So and it, what were your vices? How did you get oh, through it? I had none and I had no time. The hardest part was I did not have a minute to myself. So, you know, in normal mum life, you put the kids to bed and then you've got like a couple of hours where you might watch your show or, you know, make eye contact with your husband or cook something or there was just none of that time. Because by the time I finally got the kids to bed and they weren't, they weren't physically tired because we hadn't been and done anything and they weren't like socially tired because I hadn't seen anyone or been anywhere or, oh, but they were exhausted, but it was the wrong kind of exhausted. It's not the kind of exhaustion where you, that you need to sleep off. It's almost it, like a wired exhaustion. Yeah. Like an over, overtired emotional exhaustion, oh. which on, you know, on toddlers and preschoolers and they're just terrible. Anyway, so I did like literally the minute Isla, my eldest, fell asleep. So Teddy would go to sleep around eight and then I'd finally get Isla to fall asleep at about 9.30. And then I was like, well, I better go to sleep because they're going to be up at 5 They're going to be up and I've got to, I don't know, jump on a couch with them. Oh, my God. <laughs> but the best thing was family and friends dropping things off. The hardest thing was family and friends visiting with signs and all that lovely stuff because it just... You could see them, but you I could couldn't. see them. The kids could see them and it just made it harder and feel longer. It just was so difficult to be like, oh my God. You're just there. You're just there. I'm home in my home country and yet I'm not. I'm in this weird air-conditioned room. Purgatory. Yeah. And then the worst part, they came and did the tests. Oh, the COVID test. And this is round one tests. I don't know if you can remember back to June, <laughs> but they were like the brain tickler. And I had to hold my kids down. Wait, hold up. Are they not brain ticklers anymore? No, apparently they've evolved and they've gotten a lot better. Because I had a couple of tests and they were still very brain tickly. But I was, side note, I was given a fantastic tip from a nurse that when they get up there, you blow out your nose. Oh. Yeah. Okay. And they can fight against air, obviously, yes. to get up there. But by you actively blowing out air, it I don't know how it worked, okay. but it helped me immensely. Hot tip. Hot tip for your COVID test. Yeah, no, these were the proper ones. And they couldn't so I had to I had to move chairs to the threshold of the door, because remember I'm not allowed to leave the room. The nurses were in full hazmats, which terrified the kids, and they stood on the other side of the door. And literally leant across the threshold and did the brain tickler test on us. And I had to hold the kids down. And I thought, I'll go first and show them it's no big deal. And I'll be really brave and like model that it's really easy. <laughs> and oh. I had tears streaming down my oh, face. God. And I felt like the test gave me COVID. So I was like, okay, they're instantly terrified. And then you probably added to the fear because exactly. your children would have seen tears streaming and down your face. Exactly. And then Isla, who was five, she went next and she was traumatized. And then Teddy, I had to restrain. Like I had to hold him still and the nurses did not have time for it. Like, obviously, our hotel was the family hotel full of kids. And they'd obviously been at this since 8 a.m. or whatever. So there was no bedside manner. No, there, there was, was no, I know this is terrible. It'll be OK. Here's a sticker. It was just like, OK, we're here for your COVID test. Hold your child still. Wow. And it was horrible. They cried for an hour and I had to FaceTime their grandparents and everything just to calm them down. They were traumatized. Anyway, we finally got set free on day 14. And it was the best feeling ever. <laughs> so who were the first people you saw when you left? My mum and my sister picked us up. Oh, 
that would have been so nice. It was, it was. But I, I did have so much doubt because it, it's even weird to think about this time now, but I didn't think we were coming home. I thought, we'll just suck up the quarantine so we can have a break. I guess you call it a holiday, although, you know, it's my home well, country. Well, just, just to paint it out in basic numbers. So Revzy, the her plan was to come home for six weeks, but two of those weeks would be eaten up by quarantine. So yeah. she would spend about a month at home with family and friends, which for me as a, as a bestie, I was over the moon with delight that I would get her back for four whole weeks with the kids. And because we'd been in stage four lockdown in the UK, which I was like, what's the difference? We're only allowed out for half an hour, you know. Yes, we've got our whole house and our things and we can do grocery shopping. But I was seriously like, what's the difference? And I wasn't that wrong about that. It, it, if we'd had gone from normal life to quarantine, it would have been a huge shock. But we'd come from stage four lockdown. So That's it such was, a good point. It, the trip was kind of exciting that we got to leave the house and go on a plane and everything. But then it kind of just rolled into lockdown. And then when I got out of the hotel, I could not believe how good it was in Australia. It was like we had time traveled. It was remarkable how free it felt because we had been so heavily locked down in the UK. I remember my friend Renee who went through quarantine as well. She did it on her own, but she said she could not believe how people just weren't wearing masks in Sydney. And she had come from Los Angeles where she hadn't seen people's faces in that she felt uncomfortable. She felt like people were breathing on her and give her COVID. Yeah, it, it definitely felt like, oh my God, what are all these rule breakers doing? Because, you know, in the UK, it's like you absolutely had to wear a mask and you couldn't go anywhere near anyone. It was definitely worth doing to be back here. And anyway, long story short, I called my husband and said, I think you need to pack up the house. I think this is where we need to be for now. I was so excited to have my best mate back for four weeks and I thought, oh my God, this is perfect. I'm going to carve out time in my own schedule to make sure I can maximize time with her and the kids before she goes back to Edinburgh. And literally on the second week back, she decides to move back to Australia, which of course I was celebrating like crazy. But then it felt like the next day she got a full-time job and then the following week she started her full-time job and I was like, cool so I guess I'll see you on the weekend yes but because I'd been in like hibernation on in the lockdown for months and months and months I was so eager to get back at it but then I threw myself really hard the other way and remember my husband's still in the UK so I had to like find somewhere to live start this job get kids into school and daycare and sort of I had a real taste of single mumdom for a couple of months and I bet you take your hat off to those single mums oh my god I'm just in awe that any parent does it on their own. I'm pretty sure you uh, should be buying shares in Airtasker for the amount of people you hired on Airtasker to do tasks for you. Yes, I was just like, I don't have time for this. Someone come and remove this rubbish. <laughs> to anyone who is living under certain stages of lockdown, we in Australia are extremely lucky, but if you're overseas, we send our love. And we hope at the very least that you maybe get to see family for Christmas. I just really feel for anyone who's in that phase now. I feel like I was so fatigued and drained and went to a really dark place after four months. I can only imagine what it feels like coming up to a year. That's nuts. I just think you're all heroes <laughs> to my family in the UK who have been like the top 
level of shielded the entire time. I think they're incredible for doing their bit and staying in and keeping everyone in our family safe and the community safe. I don't know. I feel like, what should we do? Should we be like, we're lucky we get to live our life and live it? Or should we keep that to ourselves? Should we like not be putting on social media? What's like, what's the best thing to do? I can speak a little bit from my experience because I share a lot very openly and I will confess that a lot of my Instagram stories are like trips to the beach with the kids running wild and free and now that it's Christmas especially I'm sharing a lot of content of me and my friends catching up on the beach throwing barbecues etc and I did put out a post very recently sharing some basic stats about the COVID situation in Australia because I do have a percentage of followers who are concentrated in the UK and a question that comes through into my DMs frequently is, hey, Jem, what's the COVID situation there? Do you guys have COVID or is it just running rife and no one's following any rules because life looks pretty normal? And I had to then explain what COVID normal was. And I have to say that the feedback from a lot of people was that, Our situation is dire, but your Instagram actually gives us hope and brings some joy into our life or breaks up the noise of COVID depression that a lot of people are posting about from their own countries. So I guess I can offer a little bit of escapism. I hope that I've angled that right and that people aren't offended by what I'm posting, but we're across the news on a global scale. We know that we are in this safe haven bubble and are completely aware that people are doing it tough. So Sending out our love. So much love. So, Rebsy, we are now going to enter a little new segment that we are calling hashtag not sponsored. We have no sponsors yet, so it's pretty (laughs) funny because everything is not sponsored so far. (laughs) What are you hashtag not sponsoring this week? Okay, I'm not sponsoring, but so into this particular OPI nail polish color. Okay, do you like glitter? I like twinkling lights, (laughs) but strangely, not glitter. Okay. I've never liked glittery nail polishes. I've always gone for like matte AF nail polish, but suddenly I want sheer and I want glittery and glistening and shimmery. Is this because you're festive as fuck? I just think I'm just up with the trends and you need to catch up. Anyway, so I found the perfect, look at my toes. She hates it. (laughs) I'm not going to lie. I'm underwhelmed. They are fully whelming. It's called OPI The Bikini Zone. I feel like the name is way more exciting than what I'm seeing with my eyes. And I do love OPI nail polish names, I have to say. Dear listener, if you're hunting for the perfect shade of mauve with a glisten, this is your guy. I would call that tepid purple. Tepid purple? This is the perfect shade of mauve. And look at that sparkle. It's not glitter. It's not pearlescent. It's like the perfect shimmer. Hashtag will not add to cart. (laughs) Hashtag add to cart. (laughs) Okay, what about you? What is not sponsored? Okay, my hashtag not sponsored is my robot vacuum called Vac Efron. I named him. It's true. I put a poll on my Instagram to name my robot vacuum and... Oh, there were so many fantastic names, but I have to say that Revzi came out on top. The art director ruled with Vac Efron. I cannot tell you the thrill I felt when I won that competition. 
on Instagram to name your vacuum cleaner. Now, to give you a little bit of a sales pitch, Vac Efron not only vacuums your floors very thoroughly, uh, for me, it passed the sand test. We live near the beach, so there's always sand being brought into our house. I hear it's great for pet hair. I don't have a pet, but that's what one of the reviews say, and we know how much I love a review. Not only does it vacuum exceptionally well, it can tell the difference from when it's on hardwood floors versus a rug versus carpet and changes the suction accordingly. And lastly, it has a mop feature. Okay, this is a segment called Not Sponsored. It sounds so much like this is sponsored. (laughs) This is how much you love your vacuum cleaner. It's true. And I will say with a little bit of pride that I have influenced a couple of friends. We've got Vaki Chan. We have Vaki Chan. Clean Victoria. (laughs) (laughs) Clean Victoria. Vac Efron, Vaki Chan, Clean Victoria. Oh, there's so many good names. If you want to get really down to specifics, I have the Robo Rock S5 Max. And by the way, Robo Rock, the brand, you can thank me later. Okay, dear listeners, we need you to tell us what we need to talk about on here. Yeah, what do you want to hear from us? Drop us a DM at We Don't Have Time for This on Instagram and tell us what we should talk about. Yeah, we want to hear what you don't have time for i.e. if anyone watches Family Guy and knows this reference, you know what really grinds my gears? It's that kind of vibe. such a niche, niche reference. Do you think so? Yes. (laughs) Family Guy. Do you know what gives me pleasure is that there is going to be a minute percentage of our listeners who will know exactly what I'm talking about and will have You know what really grinds my gears? (laughs) What, Peter Griffin? (laughs) (laughs) And because we're not professional and we don't know how to end a podcast... Cue the outro. One of these days we'll have an outro (laughs) for our podcast. (laughs) This is not glitter. This is like shimmer. It's shimmer. You know, it's iridescent. Oh, let's just go. That is a stretch. Iridescent. Look, it's irid. That is the definition of iridescent.